0: Hello, and welcome to Afternoonified, the podcast where if you make me look at a single jellyfish, I am pushing you out of the submarine. I'm Emily. I'm Sarah. Does it count
1: if I make you look at two jellyfish? I
0: swear to God. Yes, so submarine story. I guess it's less of a story and more of just a, a memory that I try to repress that like, oh, pops lovely. up. Oh, uh, lovely. <laughs> in Disneyland in, in the way back in the 90s, which I'm sure many of you children don't even remember. Um, I hope everyone who does has taken their arthritis medication. <laughs> the Finding Nemo submarine voyage was a sub- just the submarine voyage. Um,
1: Emily, Finding Nemo came out in the 2000s.
0: Yes, but so they, they closed this ride in the mid to late 90s, and then it stayed closed for several years, and then in 2003 or something, they opened up... finally. Oh, okay.
1: They repurposed it. Okay. Yes. Continue.
0: The reason, I'm pretty sure, is because this ride originally opened up in like the 60s, when animatronics were inarguably terrifying.
1: I was going to say nightmare
0: fuel? Yes. And uh, th- this actually ties into the episode pretty well, because... Um, what, what happens is you sit in this little submarine and you basically go along a track like you're taking a submarine voyage and you see all of the various fishes and undersea shit. And it is one of the scariest things I have ever done. That,
1: yes, I don't know if I would uh, handle that well.
0: I have just vivid memories of like the mermaid animatronics being it's hold on. Um, I need to show you this. It's super cute now. It's like a 15 minute ride, too. Um, and they used to hire, like, real women uh, to play um, mermaids, but I think the, the diesel emissions from <laughs> the, the submarines uh, weren't good for them, so they stopped.
1: No, that sounds not great.
0: Yeah. Um, anyway, it's terrifying, um, and I hate the stuff that's under the ocean. Um, love learning about it, hate seeing it. So,
1: Well, great news, because you're going to get a picture for every animal that we're talking about today. And I'll also put them, of course, on the slideshow for our dear listeners. Uh, So go to Instagram to find uh, a a slideshow of nightmares and like a couple cute things. They're not all terrifying. We're talking about deep sea creatures.
0: (laughs) I I have a video. Well, I don't personally have the video, but I can um, show the good people of the uh, Internet a video of the submarine voyage if they want nightmares. Um, And did not get them listening to this episode.
1: Uh, So, sources real quick before I forget, and before my cat interrupts me, uh, Monterey Bay Aquarium, National Geographic, Oceana.org, Ocean Explorer at uh, the NOAA, Smithsonian Ocean, and of course, Wikipedia. Deep sea creatures. What's their whole deal?
0: Remind me to do an episode on the bloop.
1: Oh, yes, that's a good one.
0: Oh, we might have covered that in unexplained sounds. Anyways.
1: (laughs) I think the bloop deserves, deserves being revisited. Hi.
0: It's the bloop.
1: (laughs) Ah, and we have a special guest here on our show today. The bloop. The bloop. (laughs) Getting real, uh, I can't think of words. Punchy? I mean, always. Okay. (laughs) Before we start talking about deep sea creatures, we do need to talk about what we mean by, you know, the deep sea.
0: This is one of those existentially terrifying things. (laughs)
1: Uh, So the deep sea is where the ocean is really deep.
0: Thank you. Um,
1: But technically, if you want to get technical about it, uh, so you can actually divide the ocean into five kind of primary layers. So, okay. So at the top, you've got the epipelagic, which is the sunlight zone, named as such because it's the zone that receives the most sunlight. So this goes down to about 200 meters or about 650 feet uh, and something like 90% of all marine life lives in this zone. Um, And I should say before I get any farther with like the statistics and the number dropping, these numbers vary kind of depending where you are in the ocean and like in the world. Like it's not like you get exactly 650 meters down and like there's like a line saying this is the end of the (laughs) epipelagic (laughs) zone.
0: You are now leaving the sunlight zone. So <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for visiting.
1: Yeah, it's very open to interpretation. Like, sometimes, like, I, I don't know if it's, like, near the equator, the sun is stronger, so it can penetrate deeper, you know, things like that. Uh, but generally speaking, these are the depths we we're talking about. So, below the epipelagic zone is the mesopelagic zone, which is also known, uh, fittingly enough, as the twilight zone. Uh, The twilight zone begins at the depth um, where only 1% of light can reach the water, typically around 1,000 feet to – or, sorry, 200 meters to about 1,000 meters. So all the way down to about 323,280 feet. There's going to be a lot of numbers.
0: Man, I kind of wish (laughs) – we had done this after I went to Hawaii because now I'm just <laughs> gonna be thinking about all of the shit underneath me.
1: Yes, yes. think of how far the water goes. Ugh. see now are you understanding my fear of the ocean? <laughs> Not only does it just keep going, it keeps going down
0: No I, I mean There's so I have much of it The same fear of of space um, I know that the ocean has a floor though, like it is finite
1: fair, yeah, space is. Slightly bigger than the ocean.
0: (laughs) There's the quote (laughs) for the episode. (laughs) No, it's just, yeah, it's that big, like, nothingness, because I also got super freaked out when we went to the top of that really tall building in um, either Minneapolis or St. The Fauché, yeah. Yes, and I could just see flat for miles.
1: (laughs) It just goes on and on and on. Uh, So... Back to the twilight zone. Uh, Mm -hmm. So while there is some light in this area, it isn't enough for photosynthesis to happen. Um, So here's where you begin to see the life that has adapted to a very low light environment, i.e. this is where the fish start getting weird.
0: (laughs) They come in degrees.
1: We're going to talk about all the weird fish. Uh, so below the twilight zone is the bathypelagic or the midnight zone, uh, which goes down to about 4,000 meters or 13,100 feet, uh, which is not the deepest zone. We've got a couple more left.
0: The midnight zone sounds like a Mike uh, What's-His-Face uh, series on Netflix. <laughs> it's just Mike- ghosts and weird fish. Oh.
1: Oh, uh, what's his face? Flanagan. Yeah. I've cursed his name so many times you would think I would remember it.
0: I couldn't. I mean, I will finish Midnight Mass at some point, but like my brain got curious and I read the summary of the rest of the show and like did not see any of that coming.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it gets a little wild there at the end.
0: (laughs) That's not where I thought this was going at all. (laughs)
1: Oh, boy, I can't wait to rewatch that uh, this fall and sob myself to sleep again. (laughs) So in the Midnight Zone, there is absolutely zero light. The temperature hovers just above freezing, and the water pressure is something around 5,850 pounds per square inch. Uh, Can I tell you a fun factoid I read uh, while researching this episode has nothing to do with fish
0: something tells me it's not going to be fun
1: (laughs) no uh so i got curious at some point (laughs) like you do um and so i had to google what happens to a human body at the bottom of the ocean there we go uh and got some fun answers about that i won't go into any detail about that in particular uh but safe to say it's bad don't do it uh but (laughs) part of the explanation That I was given was that, um, you know, those old timey dive suits that have kind of the like canvas or whatever kind of baggy. And then you've got the big spherical diver's helmet.
0: Yeah. Like the Scooby-Doo villain. Yeah.
1: So the reason that they had to move away from those was if you're deep under the ocean and you have all this pressure on you and the suit gets depressurized because... The helmet is, like, a solid, uh, like, a very, um... Firm? Firm is a good word. Very (laughs) solid, like, object. Like, it isn't, like, you know, cloth is soft.
0: Yeah, it doesn't have much give. This
1: dive helmet is made of metal. It's very immutable. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, Basically, everything, uh, including the body and the suit, would get sucked up into the dive helmet. Dear God. (laughs) And this is a fact like I read this and then I laughed for like 10 minutes because I was so uncomfortable. (laughs) You know how sometimes you read things that are so horrible that you just laugh because you're like, I wish I didn't know this.
0: I have said this before and I will say it again. God did not intend us to go into the ocean because that's where he puts his mistakes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And it's a mistake to go deep sea diving. (laughs) even deeper we're not we're not done yet uh between 4000 and 6000 meters which goes down to about 20000 feet literally you know 20000 leagues under the sea uh is the abyssal pelagic or abyssal zone and everything beyond that so the very very bottom level is the hadal pelagic or hadal zone which is basically you know any deep water trenches or canyons
0: this is just reading like A summary of the plot to As Above, So Below, like the deeper you get, the worse it is until basically you're in Satan's butthole.
1: Yeah, literally, I I would consider the Satan's butthole.
0: That's where we keep it.
1: (laughs) The deepest point of the ocean is uh, Satan's butthole. I mean, um, (laughs) the Mariana Trench, uh, which is off the coast of Japan, where the depth has been measured to 35,787 feet, or, you know, about six and a half miles.
0: That's about... The height that a plane would go if it were yeah, reversed.
1: Planes fly at about that level. Um, you know, we, we've we talked about Mount Everest and how that's also a mistake. Yes. Mount Everest is like 28,000. Okay. So it's deeper than Mount Everest is tall, if that is gives you any kind of perspective.
0: Did I read correctly that k is climbing a mountain right now? Yeah, she's in, like,
1: Africa climbing Mount Kilimanjaro.
0: Okay, I just check it, because, like... I've scrolled past it a couple times like, that's weird. I saw
1: that too, and I was like, damn. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) So at the bottom of the ocean, the water pressure is something around eight tons per square inch, uh, or approximately the weight of 47 Boeing 747 jets.
0: Or one beached whale.
1: Yes. (laughs) And there is still life here at the bottom of the ocean, typically invertebrates like starfish, uh, but also some fish. The deepest fish ever discovered was found five miles below the surface in the Puerto Rico trench.
0: I think the cover image for our Instagram thing should just be like the video clip of Jeff Goldblum going, Life uh, finds a way.
1: (laughs) I think the cover image for this episode is just going to be you, like, crying.
0: Yeah. I keep picturing a blobfish, but...
1: Oh, I forgot to forgot about those. I didn't the blobfish is not included in my list, but did you know that like the reason blobfish look so ugly is like there's something about their like physiology where basically if you take them out of the water they expand and that's why they all look so ugly? Like they look normal underwater.
0: That's because they have all of that water pressure pushing yeah. in on them and keeping them in. But when you take them up, it just kinda of...
1: just kinda of... Yeah. So don't make fun of blobfish they're trying their best
0: it's not their fault (laughs) Uh,
1: so okay so back to deep sea creatures uh when we're talking about deep sea creatures we are talking about anything that has to live or anything that has adapted to live before below the photic or the sunlight zone so uh what was it called i've already forgotten (laughs) the mesopelagic or deeper yes (laughs) so we're gonna start with some creatures that live in the twilight zone
0: including Uh, literally uh, god i had a really good joke and then it slipped my mind oh including william shatner and yes. other people that were on the twilight zone god uh so picture incoming our first creature
1: is the japanese spider crab I'm
0: glad i charged my phone for this so god the worst it. <laughs> no it looks like one of the mistakes that the uh Travis, or not Travis, uh, that uh, Griffin and Justin made when they were trying to make a better dog <laughs> in Spore. That's a really niche reference. <laughs> yeah, it's Jom. <laughs> it looks like an early version of Jom. It's the one they made where they just like have all the legs.
1: <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. That's a good It looks reference. like the-, the Gmail logo. <laughs> We'll say the worst thing about the Japanese spider crab um, besides, you know, it's whole it's whole look uh, is its size. Uh, well, the carapace or the main body cavity is usually only about a foot across, which I mean, that's upsetting on its own. If you think if you like measure about a foot across and think about a crab that size. Um, but the thing is, like, it's got 10 legs
0: <laughs>
1: and they continue to grow well after the crab has reached adulthood, um, which means uh if they keep growing, they can eventually reach a like span from claw to claw of twelve feet.
0: I will say that is a lot of California rolls. It's
1: like two. Tra- think of like two Travises. no end to end, no. That's how big the crab is.
0: What a horrible comparison, monster! <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Don't look up. <laughs> so, fortunately, maybe uh, Japanese spider crabs are very slow moving. They also spend most of their time on the seafloor, uh, as deep as 600 meters below the surface, scavenging dead or decaying fish, invertebrates, and, and algae. They are mostly found off the southern coast of the Japanese island of Honshu, uh, and it's occasionally collected for food and is considered a delicacy in some parts of the region.
0: Why does Honshu sound familiar? No, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of the god from Moon Knight. I'm Konshu. Yes, uh, sorry. <laughs> I was
1: also going to say it's a sound you make when you're snoring. <sighs>
0: Besides the occasional
1: human, uh, but there really isn't much in the way of predators for, you know, giant fucking crabs. Uh, but it is not uncommon for a hungry octopus to tear off a crab leg or two, you know, for
0: a nice little snack. You know what? That's fine. They can tear <laughs> each other to shreds. I don't give a shit.
1: I will say this does not prove to be much of an obstacle for the crab since they have a few spares and missing legs can always be regrown.
0: I was just going to say, don't they regenerate limbs? Yes.
1: They're pretty good at that. Uh, so eventually, they'll just have another one.
0: Theoretically, crabbing could be a sustainable practice. Like you just pull them up,
1: pull off one leg, and put it back. Put it back. Yeah, easy peasy. I mean, it's that easy to be sustainable.
0: Yeah, they definitely don't feel pain. <laughs> pain. <laughs> Which I will say, I have heard that like scallops and mussels and and whatnot uh, don't have the same kind of pain receptors, so they either don't feel pain or they don't feel pain in the same way that other animals do. So fuck them.
1: And Emily's vendetta against small seafood creatures continues.
0: Maybe if they weren't trying to actively kill me. I mean, I'm
1: not going to, this episode is not going to make you love fish more.
0: Uh, our next
1: fish is the goblin shark.
0: No, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> look like and they don't look like willem dafoe
1: uh, which can live at depths of at least four thousand two hundred feet uh they are arguably one of the ugliest fish in the ocean and that's saying a lot you sent me a
0: tiff do you want me to publish this i just picked the first one saw. Well, maybe it does look a little bit like willem dafoe that's me oh. and willem dafoe
1: <laughs> god i hate it uh if if it makes you feel anything any better, they're incredibly rare. Uh, they've only been observed on a handful of occasions and filmed even less. Uh, so most of our knowledge has been gleaned from uh, specimens that have accidentally been captured by fisheries. It just, I don't think anyone's you know fishing for goblin shark on purpose.
0: It looks like someone made a pair of dentures out of one of those nylon bristle scrubby brushes and jammed it into the mouth of the Earl of Lemon Grab from Adventure Time.
1: That's a very specific reference. <laughs> so, for those of you who don't know what we're referencing, <laughs> goblin sharks are immediately identifiable by their long snouts and scraggly teeth. They have so many teeth that they can't even fit them all into their mouths when they are closed. That's, Which, honestly, is a little endearing. No! It kind of makes
0: me like the goblin shark more. <laughs> the more I look at it, no... It, It's kind of stupid cute. No, it's... uh, It's very, you know, it's... It's when you get to the teeth. The teeth are what ruin it.
1: See, yeah, the thing is, like, this, um... They So how they hunt, essentially, is they capture their prey by extending their jaws outside of their mouth to grab no, things.
0: No. Which no. I think is
1: what you're seeing when you see all these pictures of, like, the goblin shark with the really messed up mouth.
0: I didn't know they had fucking xenomorph mouths.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, they've also been described as a living fossil, which is maybe the kindest way of saying this thing looks like it stopped cooking several million years ago.
0: This thing looks dated. <laughs>
1: Uh, Adult sharks typically grow uh, from 10 to 13 feet long, In the one specimen captured in 2000 measured a full 20 feet.
0: Why are they so big?
1: (laughs) They have been caught in every major ocean, including the Eastern Pacific, so it's feasible one is swimming up the Willamette River right now to eat Emily.
0: Well, that's good, because I live near the Willamette River. (laughs) (sighs) I don't know what that shark is going to do near Chicago, but... (laughs) i'm laughing because you're gonna be mad at me our next
1: lovely creature is the bloody belly comb jelly
0: (laughs) i want it to die it literally looks possessed it looks like it was directed by dario argento (laughs) and it needs to be gone
1: (laughs) to be fair i don't think this one has stingers i never saw any mention of stingers so it probably just kind of floats around the ocean
0: it literally looks like an old timey tail light. What is up with that? <laughs> so the bloody belly
1: comb jelly is a unique bioluminescent jellyfish that glows a deep blood red uh, hence the name bioluminescence for those of you who don't know is a light produced by a chemical reaction within a living organism, so this is like a very common adaptation for creatures you know who live in the parts of the ocean where there is no light. They kind of make their own. Uh, In the case of the Bloody Belly Comb Jelly, which is just a really fun combination of words to say, uh, its red color actually appears black when it's in the deep sea, which means it's basically completely invisible to (laughs) potential predators or Emily (laughs) as she dives down into the ocean. Uh, It also... Yeah, keeps it um, not only from prey, or not only from predators, but from any prey that it is hunting down.
0: It is important. Not hunting
1: down. It's a jellyfish. It just kind of floats.
0: It's important that you know that something, like made a noise behind me. I'm not sure what it was, but it scared the ever-living shit out of me.
1: I've only got a few more jellyfish facts and then I promise it's the only one.
0: I feel like you're lying.
1: Uh, The bloody belly is a relatively new discovery. Uh, It was first discovered in 2001 by the Monterey Bay Aquarium Research Institute. Uh, So comb jellies, which are kind of like, you know, like a bigger genus or family of jellyfish, uh, which does include the bloody belly, are characterized by rows of hair-like cilia. Those like beat continuously in order to propel the jellyfish through the water, and they also this like cilia diffract and refract light as they move. So like if you watch videos of the bloody belly comb jelly, and not you, Emily, but everybody else listening, (laughs) I would very much encourage you to like go look up a video of this thing because it's literally like a
0: floating rave. Yeah, they're so.
1: It, they're actually. Very, I I find them very pretty.
0: It's when you like zoom in on them and like see all the extra teeth and appendages and stuff <laughs> that you're like, oh, this was a mistake. You see all the
1: floating ephemera inside. <laughs> um I will say, for, to maybe help you hate it less. It only grows up to six inches long, so it's actually a very small jellyfish, which, in my opinion, makes it all the more adorable. And if you're still not convinced, this jellyfish poops sparkles. I, eh. It what? poops sparkles.
0: I'm going to need you to
1: elaborate. <laughs> I got to find the link for you now. It's a tweet. Um, if you just search bloody belly comb jelly for our <laughs> listeners, um, it will come up in like the top three results. But yes, it poops sparkles. They caught it on video, the Monterey Bear Aquarium did. And like it's just a jellyfish floating through the water. And all of a sudden, there's kind of just like a plume of lightly sparkly stuff in the air. I got to find the video for you.
0: This episode is cursed.
1: <laughs> so, the tweet from the Monterey Bear Aquarium is just so pure. Um, literally just says, This may well be the first ever, the world's first ever video of a bloody belly comb jelly pooping. <laughs> They're very upfront with what is happening.
0: You know, it, it doesn't really help. When the, the shit is the most charming part of it, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> I disagree. <sighs> and I guess that's now something that I've seen. <laughs> it's kind of, you gotta admit, it's a little cool. I guess.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, Emily, I'm, I promise I will make it up for the jellyfish um, before rooting my good favor with like five other horrible animals. Um, but our next deep sea creature that lives in the twilight zone is the flapjack octopus.
0: Good. This is the only one that's okay.
1: <laughs> uh, so while we're on the subject of adorable sea creatures, we do need to talk about the flapjack octopus, which not only has a darling name, but is literally so cute that scientists even consider naming it adorab, at Ad- which is very hard to pronounce.
0: I want to crochet one with a little butter pat on its head. I have
1: seen fan art of something very similar, and
0: it's super cute. (laughs) So, uh, The Flapjack octopus belongs to a unique
1: group of octopuses called Cerati octopuses. I can't pronounce that. Uh, There's webbing between each of their arms. So instead of having like eight distinct tentacles, they're basically shaped more like umbrellas. (laughs) They also have little itty-bitty fins at the top of their heads that look like ears. (laughs) Please, if you aren't going to go to Instagram and look at the slideshow, Google pictures. They're so cute. Uh, When sitting on the ocean floor, flapjack octopuses flatten out into the shape of a lumpy, fishy pancake. And then to move, the flapjack pulsates its body by contracting its webbed arms, kind of adopting more of a jellyfish-like shape. uh, And then it spreads them out again to drift down to the seafloor. Gently.
0: They're so stupid.
1: (laughs) Additional note. (laughs) The Monterey Bay Aquarium describes the Flapjack as, quote, not a strong swimmer, which is kind of the most hilarious way to describe a fish.
0: I love it because you live octo- in the ocean. Octopus are like historically very good swimmers. Yeah. Not these. Ones. It's like the penguin of octopus.
1: I deeply, deeply love the Flapjack octopus. They're so fucking cute. Um, okay, so uh, back to nightmares. Mm -hmm. Emily, uh, have you ever seen a pill bug? Unfortunately, yes. Um, Great. So uh, imagine a pill bug, except it is the size of your laptop and has the most horrible haunting dead eyes that you have ever witnessed.
0: I think I might have caught a couple of these in Animal Crossing.
1: Uh, The giant isopod. Uh, is a crustacean that is in the same family as roly polies and woodlice except uh, it's in the ocean Uh, they live 1600 feet beneath the ocean and uh also they're huge (laughs) they are uh 16 inches across at their biggest size which is very big for a bug
0: too big, one might say.
1: <laughs> Giant isopods are a great example of deep sea gigantism, which is the tendency for species of invertebrates and other deep sea dwelling animals to be much, much larger than their shallower counterparts. Uh, no one knows exactly why this is, uh, mostly because you know they it's very hard to study these habitats and these animals. Uh, But some of the proposed explanations include, like, just the, like, the lower temperature, the reduced predation, and just general food scarcity, Mm -hmm. which is kind of counterintuitive, but it's basically, like, the bigger you get, the more your metabolism slows down, so you don't need as much to keep going, I think, is generally how that goes.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Speaking of food, the giant isopod feasts on your dreams. I mean, fish. Uh, And also crabs that have died and fallen from, you know, the shallower bits of the ocean. Uh, And if they're really lucky, sometimes they can enjoy an entire whale.
0: I hate that.
1: (laughs) I I assume in groups. I don't believe it's ever like one isopod (sighs) feasting on an entire whale.
0: No, I don't think it is. (laughs) I don't. I don't want to think so. I'm still looking at flapjack (laughs) octopus.
1: That's what you should be looking at, because I'm about to send you something else unpleasant.
0: It's it's literally like I must paint you. Like,
1: <laughs> uh, speaking of fish that are unnecessarily large, we can't talk about the deep sea without talking about the elusive giant squid, which is <laughs> literally a sea monster. <laughs> and I just sent picture Emily a picture of a dead one. I apologize.
0: Oh, it just looks like a bunch of intestines. <laughs>
1: The longest, or the largest giant squid ever recorded was a full 43 feet long and likely weighed a ton. Uh, scientists estimate the size of uh, the giant squid could possibly reach the lengths of up to 66 feet, but a squid of the size hasn't ever been documented.
0: I just need all you guys to know that a ton is the same weight as two grand pianos. <laughs> that is too much. Oh, that's a helpful measurement. <laughs> It's the only basis I have for a ton right now.
1: So despite their size, giant squid are rarely sighted. Uh, it wasn't even captured on camera until 2006, and it wasn't until 2012 when it was actually like filmed in its natural habitat for the first time.
0: See, if they would just hang out with Kirk Douglas more often, they would have seen a giant squid by now, or if they just attended Hogwarts. There you go
1: uh of course tales of the giant squid date back centuries they are thought to be the inspiration between the legend of the kraken uh and even our good friend pliny the elder described a gigantic squid in his writings describing a specimen that measured at least 30 feet long
0: so like people
1: (laughs) sorry go ahead probably
0: didn't see what he probably saw something that maybe kind of looked like one but it was pliny the elder so
1: i think maybe someone told him a story about one that they had seen maybe one time you know like their friend's cousin had seen a giant squid (laughs) That checks out. But basically, like, people had been, like, finding these things kind of, like, washed up on shore or, (laughs) you know, like, inside sperm whales for thousands of years. Uh, But their existence was only confirmed in the 1870s when complete specimens began showing up off the the coast of Newfoundland.
0: They didn't start showing up until then? Uh, No, they had been showing up, but, like... or I guess we just haven't found them.
1: Yeah, it was just like they had, like, complete specimens and they were able to, like, find them and study them before they had decayed too much, I think. Okay, was generally what it was, and they had, and they got like a lot of them at once, so it wasn't just like one-offs. Okay, yeah, uh, they are thought to live mostly at depths from 300 to 600 meters, but have been detected in the midnight zone as deep as 1100 meters,
0: where they should stay.
1: <laughs> God, I'm so sorry.
0: No, i like, there's one that I'm worried that you're gonna do. I mean, this might be it.
1: Oh my God, the little flapjack plushy i'm sorry i just don't for much
0: i think that i can looks, like, figure out how to make one
1: <laughs> probably
0: oh nope, nope that's not the one i was thinking of <laughs> oh but... good is bad though oh it's bad uh, another classic
1: deep sea creature is the anglerfish and you've certainly seen these before and yes they're horrifying uh the anglerfish's claim to fame is their unique approach to hunting prey or more really like not hunting at all
0: I, that's not the fact that I thought of first, um, but we'll get into that later. <laughs>
1: uh, instead of seeking out its food, which expends a lot of unnecessary energy, the anglerfish waits in place, luring prey in with a bioluminescent light that hangs off the end of like a fishing pole-like rod attached to its head, uh, and it hangs just above their open mouth. Their open maw, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> they usually have a lot of teeth. Uh, the real fun fact about this episode is that there are actually over 200 species of anglerfish. So it's hard to like speak about them more generally they all live in you know different sorts of environments. Some are closer to the surface, some are down closer to the seafloor. They vary wild, widely in shape, size and color. Um some can grow up to 4 full feet in length which uh you know that's like the size of my desk which is bigger than I've always pictured and I don't love it. <sighs> That being said, uh, size can also vary wildly within species, so particularly when comparing females to males. There we go. In some species of anglerfish, particularly the, particularly the deep-sea angler, anglerfish, so many glars, the males are super tiny. They're like a few centimeters long, and basically they function as parasites, so they've evolved for the sole purpose of finding a female to attach to and delivering sperm. Mm-hmm uh they this also seems to be a quirk of deep sea adaptation after all like when your species is very few and far between and it's very rare to encounter another anglerfish like thank god i don't want to think about two in the same place <laughs> uh it makes sense to evolve yourself kind of like a form of reproduction that doesn't involve expending a lot of energy swimming around trying to find a mate
0: they just kind of you know stick to you i i've heard that some species like the female will absorb the male, leaving pretty much just the balls
1: yeah they become like fused together essentially
0: it's kind of cool what, nature is great
1: <laughs> nature is great uh so now we are dipping into the abyssal zone
0: mm-hmm.
1: and while we're on the subject of things that will haunt you in the dream times i introduce to you the big fin squid the big fin squid is basically a <laughs> giant, floating, <laughs> daddy-long-like spider, and it looks like something out of Guillermo del Toro's worst nightmares. <laughs> it's truly terrible. The largest known big fin squid was 21 feet long, and 20 of those feet were just its tentacles. Uh, it is believed that they use their tentacles, which have teeny tiny microscopic little suckers on them to trap prey that's unluckily, unlucky enough to bump into them as they drag along the seafloor. Uh, uniquely, among cephalopods, big fin squid hold their tentacles perpendicular to their body, so it creates the appearance of kind of like elbows,
0: <laughs> which
1: is also bad.
0: It doesn't look like an animal. It looks like... like a- It looks
1: alien. It looks very alien.
0: Yes, it looks like something that you would see, like, crawling across your yard in the nighttime. <laughs> got a very fresno nightcrawler look to it yes i don't know why but that's one of the cryptids that like genuinely scares the crap out of me <laughs> because what the fuck well, i they mean they look like the big awful versions of the mom rafts from uh alice in wonderland which are cute when they're small and fluffy but <sighs>
1: yeah no thank you Uh, Fortunately, they're so far down below the ocean. (laughs) They can live deeper than any other known squid. The current depth record is 4,735 meters or a full three miles below the surface. Uh, And they can stay there. That's okay. All right. Enough of gigantic and terrible. I've got one more cutie for you. And it is the Dumbo octopus.
0: Which is different than the Flapjack octopus.
1: It is, in fact, different. I, I did go back and make sure they're actually of different families no. <laughs> totally different creatures and that is my excuse for featuring both um, because I love them
0: <laughs> my little buddy
1: so um, I love octopuses
0: I don't but I like these guys <laughs>
1: Uh, The Dumbo Octopus, similar to its cousin, the Flapjack Octopus, is desperately adorable, um, although it can get much bigger. So the largest ever recorded was nearly six feet long, Uh, the most range between like eight and 12 inches, Uh, just depends on kind of like the species of Dumbo Octopus. Uh, It's named, as you might guess, after the Disney movie and specifically for the elephant ear-like fins at the top of its head. It uses them to swim. So it like moves around the water by like slowly flapping their fins like Dumbo (laughs) Flaps' his ears. And it uses its arms to steer. Quite good. (laughs) Like anglerfish, Dumbo octopuses have had to get creative with the reproduction, uh, as they are so few and far between. Females always carry eggs in different stages of development, and they are able to store sperm for long periods of time after mating with a male. That way they can wait to, like, actually transfer the sperm to their most developed eggs when the environmental conditions are right for reproducing.
0: Resourceful. Which
1: is very cool, yes. Uh, they are the deepest, levi- deepest living genus of all known octopi living at depths ranging from 1,000 to 7,000 meters, which actually kind of dips into the Haddle Zone a bit, um, which was confirmed in twenty twenty one when one was spotted in the Java Trench. Um, also, they're fucking cute. I love them
0: so much. Uh, um, I, I was Googling dumbo octopus have you seen this googly-eyed squid it's like bright purple and has like cartoon eyes googly-eyed squid oh my god (laughs) i
1: yes i have definitely seen this before i forgot about it i love him so much (laughs) everybody google googly-eyed squid god that's cute
0: it looks fake it does All of these look fake, honestly.
1: I was going to say, like, there's a couple. So, like, there's pictures of the squid, and then there's pictures of, like, stuffed animals people have made of the squid, and they look equal amounts of, like, a real animal. (laughs) Horrifying. Uh, Okay. So, we have one more fish, because, as I told Emily, we only have ten pictures of the slideshow, so I can only talk about ten animals. (laughs) Our last one is the Abyssobratula galaithae which we're going to refer to now from now on as a cusk eel. It is specifically yeah. a very specific species of cusk eel.
0: Mm. Uh, <laughs> looks like a so- penis.
1: <laughs> so remember at the beginning of the episode when I mentioned the deepest fish ever found was discovered in the Puerto Rico trench? This yeah. is that fish. So in 1970, a cusk eel, specifically of the species Abyssobratula galathe, was trawled from a depth of 8,370 meters or 27,460 feet. Uh, Cusk eels generally, not just this one, but as a species, are characterized by long slender body about 12 to 13 times as long as it is wide. They can grow up to six feet in length, uh, but the deepest dwelling of the family, this one in particular, typically only about like six inches or so. So this is actually, for as horrifying as it looks, uh, just kind of a little guy. And I will say this is not like the worst one (laughs) of all the fish we've talked about today. It's just... I mean, it's an eel. It looks like an eel. Its skin is transparent because it lives at the bottom of the ocean. Uh, and it also doesn't really have eyes. It's kind of got like eye shapes, but they're not really functional. So, like, they actually rely on a system of sensory pores on its head. Uh, and it eats worms and crustaceans. And that's all we really know about it because it lives five miles underneath the ocean. <laughs> so, not a lot to study
0: um gross i hate it it's
1: it's a very unpleasant little fish to end our episode on but uh i hope you enjoyed this um charcuterie board
0: of terror i believe it's pronounced shark board <laughs>
1: <laughs> you had to make it a pun
0: yeah um and, and since uh we we have uh, you know a little bit of time. I I will say I want to
1: know what is your least favorite
0: of the ones that we've covered
1: yeah not the jellyfish because that's a given
0: yes that's it's very obvious um I'd say it's the squid with the very long skinny arms fair that's a good choice yeah I'm not a fan since since we we have a little bit of time I I thought I would um pull up three that didn't make your list (laughs) (laughs) lovely I love to hear it Uh, as a bonus round um ones that I particularly hate that, that that you didn't cover
1: we'll call Um, this portion of the episode emily's revenge
0: yes so so the first one is the uh barrel eye fish
1: oh yeah those are awful
0: um i deeply hate them (laughs) uh so just gonna read from the monterey bay aquarium article uh this peculiar fish is known for its strange eyes two bright green upward pointing orbs that are visible through the transparent dome on its forehead the upward-pointing eyes are able to spot prey above them in the water column, but can rotate forward when needed. So basically, it is a fish, and the entire top of its head is clear so you can see all the insides. Love it. Um, I got distracted because I remember this, because I almost
1: featured this and then decided against it. But when you Google barrel-eye fish, um, Google tells you its cost is 15,000 bells. <laughs> Along with all the scientific information about it, which I just sent you a
0: screenshot of. I have
1: mercifully
0: never caught one in Animal Crossing. (laughs) Um, Yes, they are thought to be solitary creatures that inhabit the ocean's twilight to midnight zones, usually between 2000 and 2600 feet. Have you ever caught one? Sorry, go ahead. Oh! In addition to their eyes, barrel-eyed fish have large, flat fins, which allow them to precisely maneuver as well as remain almost completely motionless.
1: (laughs) That's terrible. Mm -hmm. Um, I was going to ask, have you ever caught one of these in Stardew Valley? They're every everything. So the the alternate thing is the spook fish. So it's the ones that you get in the submarine.
0: Son of a bitch. Yep,
1: that's a barrel-eyed fish.
0: Great. Um, The next one is the. Vampire Squid.
1: Oh, I already hate it, and I haven't even seen a picture yet.
0: Actually, it's not ugly, it's just very f- well-named. They're actually, and I hate to say this, kind of cute. I almost sent that to Sadie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, anyways. Do it. <laughs> it's
1: so cute! It's got, like, bat wings. Yes. That's so cute. Look at its ears. I know they're fins, but...
0: So, from the uh, Smithsonian Institute website, um, with a scientific name that means the vampire squid from hell, you'd expect the vampire <laughs> squid, *Vampyroteuthis Infernalis, to be a fearsome predator terrorizing the deep. Despite its demonic look, that isn't the case. Instead, the vampire squid collects and eats drifting particles called marine snow using two long sticky filaments. It doesn't seem to like uh doesn't seem like much food to fuel a foot-long cephalopod but it's enough for its slow lifestyle in a dark low oxygen water environment with few predators and it's got a cape yeah i Um, love it and then the the final one um it's not an animal but i've been talking about it a lot it's brine pools (laughs) oh i hate it Uh, A brine pool, sometimes called an underwater, deep water, or brine lake, is a volume of brine collected in a seafloor depression. The pools are dense bodies of water that have a salinity that is three to eight times greater than the surrounding ocean. Brine pools are commonly found below polar sea ice and in the deep ocean. And... um, Deep sea and polar brine pools are toxic to marine uh, animals due to their high salinity and anoxic properties, which can ultimately lead to toxic shock and possibly death. So, when you find brine pools, they're often littered with the corpses of crabs and fish that could not escape the brine before it killed them.
1: Literally pickles that.
0: Yes. Um, However, there are some... There are some kinds of microfauna and bivalves bival- that can be found in the area along the rim of brine pools because bivalves can go to hell. <laughs> I assume they are like, maybe not specially adapted,
1: but adapted in a way that can survive high salty yeah, water. It's kind
0: of like the, uh, the animals that can live um, near the, the volcanic fence under the water where uh, like the yeah. water's boiling. The ocean's awful. <laughs> yeah, don't go in there. It's bad.
1: It's full of nightmares, and we don't even know what all the nightmares are yet.
0: Ugh. Um, if you have a particularly awful deep sea creature that you would like Sarah to see, we are on Instagram and Twitter at AfterNunified. Um, you can also go to getafternunified.com or email us at getafternunified at gmail.com. Nope, afternoonifiedpod at gmail.com. I've been doing this for Correct. five years, Sarah. Get it together, Jesus. Five years? Six years? I don't years? know
1: whatever That'd be six i don't know
0: um anyways uh so you can email them you can also buy merch you can donate you can look at old episodes i guess if that's how you're gonna get your old episodes it's a little weird though i'm gonna tell you
1: <laughs> i mean yeah we also have episodes everywhere there are episodes so
0: um yeah and that's that's it thank you for uh listening to our spooky summer series where we try to make <laughs> up for teaching you so much history in such a short period of time. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll be back to history next episode.
1: (laughs) Goodbye, everybody. Bye, we love you.
0: For more podcasts like the one you just listened to, go to SoBelowMedia.com. This is As Above So Below.